What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongols Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm Mike. With me is Kevin Josh. Tonight, we're going to discuss the Hounds' most recent preseason games. They sign another player. Maybe we'll do some speculating about kits. I don't know. Let's go! Can you believe that, guys? No, I mean, that, that is no, the don't. craziest sequence of events we've seen in, all, in quite a period of time. In the top right corner, gentlemen. Out to the middle. Back to Kerr. Kev, I just realized I didn't ask you if you wanted to host this one again. Sorry about that, bud. <laughs> Some, that, that did not sound genuine. It did. It's <laughs> totally genuine. I thought you did a really good job. I went back and listened to the episode. I thought it was good. So Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I like. I don't know if this is narcissism or what, but like I listened to that more, like triple the amount of times I've ever listened to any other Mongols podcast. It's like I got to listen to myself so over once? and over. Like, so once? <laughs> I think it like, let's do it once. <laughs> okay, like two. I listened to it twice. Fair enough. Josh, what's going on? Um, yeah, Pittsburgh had a lot of wind uh, yesterday or a couple last couple of days. I don't know if you guys got that as well. I'm guessing you did, but uh, mm-hmm. tree fell down in my backyard. It's fine. It was a little Ooh. tree. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's harming anything. It's one of those things where you just look out the yard. And you're like, huh? Should probably do something about that. Eh. <laughs> Eventually, I'll, I'll I'll chop it up. Yeah, I was stunned. I like we could hear the wind all night long. Like I didn't sleep really well, and I was expecting to go out and find stuff down everywhere, and nothing, nothing hit. There were like a few random branches, but we got trees everywhere, and yeah, we we totally lucked out. We were driving <clears throat> into the city yesterday, and we were in our minivan, and the minivan was actually getting pushed around on the road. Like I could feel it. Like I was sort of driving against it. Um, it was intense. And it, what, yeah. what sort of like blew my mind is that anytime we have high winds like that, you typically have like a tornado warning or tornado. There was nothing. It was just like straight wind, and it was in all different directions. And yeah, yeah, we'll we'll talk about the games in a little bit. But uh, one of the games was in this wind. Uh, it was Sunday's match was when the worst of the wind was going on. And it was kind of fun to watch the ball get kicked up in the air and just see it kind of like hit its apex and just stay there and not like <laughs> go forward or backward. Just kind of like. Just hang in the air there, and then finally drop straight down. <laughs> That's cool. Kev, did you guys get any of the crazy weather this weekend? Uh, we got a lot of flooding, um, which is weird. I've never been in an area that had that. Um, I guess, fortunately, I've just been on, on high ground. But no, yeah, like a lot of places got flooded on their businesses, homes. Um, but it was very localized in specific patches. Like there was kind of two big downpours of rain, and then like, about two hours in between them and like i was still able to like get in my car go out and get pizza and come back home and everything was fine but but yeah we're, we're still recovering from a very wet weekend i i got no transition for that so we're just gonna move right along <laughs> um i had mentioned on the last show uh we were hoping to have matt geica with us this evening he had to reschedule for next week so we will Definitely try to get him back on next week. So this week, we got, like I said, we got two games that happened this past weekend. We're going to talk about it and a couple of other things. Guys, we only have really... The USL kicks off in two weeks. Now, the Hounds have a bye week the first week, so really we don't start for three weeks, but two weeks. Like, we're into the season. Um, Josh, you were at both the games this weekend. So on Friday, we drew 1-1 against Pitt. It was the first goal that the Hounds had given up so far this preseason. Dos Santos had the goal. And then on Sunday... We won one nothing against Beth Steele. 
Valeski had a late first half goal. What did you, what'd you see, man? Like, give us give us the lowdown. How are you feeling, you know, seeing these guys in action, and, and what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm feeling like we're not going to be a dr- dramatically different team from last season as far as <clears throat> um, offense goes, unfortunately, maybe, possibly, <laughs> just because the goals aren't, like, coming loose and fast. But at the same time, like, Dos Santos looked good on Sunday, actually. <clears throat> Excuse me. Even though he got his goal on uh, Friday, on Sunday, he seemed to be a little bit more head up and, like, making passes and, and being involved in plays. So that's kind of encouraging. Um, <coughs> but uh, other than that, though, I mean, it's the, the team is connecting a lot better than I think we've seen in the preseason before. And it, it's looking really good. Like, it, I... It's weird because even though the goals aren't there the last two games, it, it felt like the team was controlling the ball a lot and actually making passes. You're not, you're seeing less errors than even last season watching the games. Uh, so it, it is looking better, but I don't know if the goals are necessarily going to be coming constantly, You know, like kind of like what we thought with all these signings and that kind of stuff. So it, it might be a little bit more of the same, but with a little bit stronger uh, midfield. It makes me wonder, because, I mean, we've talked about the difference in, you know, there are teams playing MLS teams, and there's teams playing USL teams, and we keep talking about, you know, we drew 1-1 with Pitt. Um, Beth Steele has not been having a good preseason thus far, so a 1-0 win against them I don't think is this resounding, like, we're ready. But Yeah, and what was the email by the by the team? It was like, Hounds demolish Beth Steele 1-0. <laughs> and it was like... Can you demolish someone by one now? <laughs> like I, that wasn't the right term, but it was something like, yeah, it was very but emphatic language. It makes me wonder, you know, we talked about what what do teams want to get out of the preseason? And Josh, you, you saying that it looks like the team was connecting more, that there were passes, there were fewer errors. If that is not the focus, not like putting the ball in the back of the net. Like I think, I wonder if Lily thinks like that will come let's get these other things locked down first and let's do it against lesser opponents so that we have the confidence to make some of these passes and step into these challenges and do these sorts of things so that we're ready for the season. Um, I think that's what's going on in the back of my mind because I'd love to see us like, oh, we played Pitt and won 8-0 or whatever. And then you're like, yeah, we're ready. But when we're not, you're always sort of looking for that silver lining. And I'm wondering in my mind if I'm justifying that as the silver lining. I mean, based on what you saw, if the Hounds started the season next week, would you be nervous at all? Or would you be, let's go, we got this? I mean, it's hard to tell right now because we haven't seen all the pieces together. Because a lot of these games, if you look at the first half lineup and the second half lineup, it's like completely hockey style, like completely changed out. Everyone's different. And it's just like, okay, try these guys now. Most of these players are only getting 45 minutes a game, which makes sense because they're playing two games a weekend. So you like, you don't mm-hmm. want to play uh, too much more than that. Although that said, Dabo, I believe has played like the most minutes out of everyone. And he just constantly there, which is impressive. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's hard to tell, but a lot of the new guys, or even the ones that are still on trial, but that's been kind of like my focus when I'm watching the games, I'm not like watching Canardo Forbes as much. I'm not watching Dabo as much. I'm like looking out for like Skelton to see how he's doing in the back. And he seemed to be doing really well. And I'm surprised we haven't signed him yet, actually. Um, same thing with, uh, what's his real name? I always call him the mountain. The guy whose name means the mountain. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm blanking. 
Mer- Mer- I, I can't remember. But anyway, him. He seems to be okay as well. He's not like making big giant plays, but he's just a consistent player in the back. So I could see him being a good depth player. Um, but yeah, like all this stuff is coming together, and I would be fine with the games or with the season starting now, because I feel like the question is if we're at a hundred percent or if we're gonna, you know. If this is 100% right now, it's more like, are we better off than other teams at this moment in time in the league? And I feel like we probably are. Hmm. Interesting. Kev, how are you How are you feeling about all this? I mean, you're in the same boat as I am, where I haven't seen a minute of any of these games yet, and so I'm just going off of what the team puts out. How are you feeling? Fine. I, I, I don't – yeah, it's kind of similar lines from previous weeks, honestly. I, I think – yeah, it, I'd be shocked if we went backwards as preseason goes on. I mean, so we're only going to get better. We're only going to get more cohesive, and you know, the players are only going to understand Lily's tactics more and more. Um, so, and with everything Josh is saying, I mean, we, it seems like we already have a pretty good, you know, platform to kind of build from. So right now, it's okay. Let's tighten up all the screws and make sure we're ready to go first game of the season. Which, yeah, I have, I have a lot of confidence. If anything, I mean, if this question kind of turns into, do you have confidence in? Lily and his staff, and yeah, I generally do, especially especially you know me sitting in Tennessee, yeah, just kind of sitting here twiddling my thumbs, um, reading all the reports that comes out, and kind of yeah, the faith in Lily, yeah, no, I'm I'm not worried at all. Okay, well, good, good. Um, so yeah, I mean, otherwise, Josh, like you said, I think a lot of it is just sort of keeping an eye on the new guys. Um, the Hounds did sign one of the trialists. He's the first one to be signed, Caleb Smith. He's a defender. Coach mentioned him as a left back. It seems like in these games he's been playing sort of that left back role. He played predominantly in midfield at college. So immediately that makes me think of almost like another Tommy V situation where you have somebody who could potentially play multiple positions all over the field, even if you know the intention right now is to play him at left back. He had a couple of call-ups to the U17, U20 national team. Um, guys, we currently have... 15 players on the roster and coaches said you know he wants to be at 22 23 by the start of the season which is two weeks away so you know i imagine that the signings are going to start coming fast and furious here over the next few weeks we need you know obviously a keeper or two since we only have one on the roster i think part of me you know keeps waiting for there to be some other big name signing like some mls player somebody coming down but what's interesting josh i think you might have pointed this out a few weeks ago if you look at the roster and you told me, hey, you're, you're starting front going into the season is Dos Santos, Valeski, and Nico Brett. I'd be like, that's, that's not bad. Like, that, that's pretty good. <laughs> right? So, like, I'm, I'm starting to think that maybe that's not the case. I mean, maybe at this point we have 90% of our starting 11. And right now we're just doing depth play, picking up the Tommy V's that we can find and see where we go from there. So, yeah, I mean, Josh, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, we have one keeper, but at the same time, I feel like it's unannounced, but it's probably going to be uh, true that Ben uh, Lungard is going to be loaned from the crew to us because he's been uh, consistently at this preseason, and I don't see why we would even be playing him if it wasn't for the fact that we're probably going to get him on loan. Um, so that that's probably happening. So there's two keepers at least, so now we just have to find one more keeper. Um but other than that, yeah, even though guys aren't are on uh, the roster yet, some of the trialists, I, I feel like there there's a couple in there that are probably going to get signed or at least announced here soon. Um, uh, Mukuna, by the way, is the guy that I couldn't remember his mountain. name. The Mountain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, like he, I wouldn't be surprised he gets signed. Skelton gets signed. Um, I don't know about uh, Uzo. I, I I don't know. Another defender though, so probably not. <laughs> we probably have enough defenders at this. He point. He played with Phoenix last year, didn't he? I think he was a Phoenix um, Rising. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. I yeah. Don't have it in front of me, so I'm not sure. But yeah, I. I feel like there are a lot more holes to fill, sure. But at the same time, Lily kind of knows this, like the back of his hand. He knows what he's doing, so I'm not worried in the least. I'm sure he's probably like, okay, well, it's almost that time where the players are going to get cheaper, so I'm going <laughs> to start yeah. actually shopping now. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if we do get a couple more trialists in that we haven't seen yet and just playing like the last two weeks with us or the last week. I think... Tommy V was like that. I don't think he showed yeah. up until the very end of uh, preseason, and then he was, you know, a surprise signing. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah, I guess just keep an ear out, and uh, we'll see who else we pick up here over the next few weeks. Uh, the Hounds have three more preseason matches. we got two next weekend, one against the University of Akron on Friday, and then Lansing Ignite FC on Sunday. And then the following week, we have our last preseason game, TFC 2, on Saturday. Um all of those at home at Highmark. So, and and once we get to that TFC two game, the rest of the USL games are going to be happening. So we'll be keeping an eye on what's going on around the league as well. So it's definitely we're we're getting down to the end here. This is a lot of fun, um, guys. Anything else about sort of these preseason games, upcoming preseason games, before we dive into some other stuff and just sort of have some fun and talk some nonsense for a little bit? No, Kevin, you're like sticking your lip out like you're. <laughs> Like, I know you're like, no, it's fine, but you look like you're unhappy. Keep in mind, it's preseason. It's preseason. It's preseason. It's preseason. It's preseason. It's preseason. Results, yeah, they're nice, but they don't matter. So, yeah, yeah. it's it's nice that we got that win against Beth Steele. It felt good to see that win against Beth Steele. I'm not going to lie, even though it was only 1-0. But uh, just, you know, kind of took the sting out a little bit from the playoff game. Yeah. A little bit. I've been intentionally not watching um, games because I've been trying to just, like, stay focused on what's coming up. And I've started watching some highlights from uh, EPL games and I'm starting to get amped again. Like I know it's not like EPL level, but like it's, yeah, I'm ready. I am ready. Um, guys, word on the street is there is that there's a season ticket party and a kit reveal looking like maybe March 9th. Um, so since most of the other teams have already sort of announced their kits and, I know over at BGN they're going to be putting together sort of a uh, you know best and worst USL kit article, which is going to be a lot of fun. I thought it might be interesting to just sort of break down a little bit. If you had to design the Hounds kit for this season, what would you do? And I'm, I, I intentionally haven't put any sort of caveats on this. So if you want to do the home kit, the away kit, a third kit, you want to do all three, whatever, we can talk about it. But uh, – Last year's jerseys or last year's kits um, were all custom from Adidas, or at least that's what we were told. And, you know, now that uh, some teams are copying off of the template that we used last year, I tend to think that they were original. Yeah. Um, Sorry. So it'll be interesting to see if we get the same sort of treatment where we get another original looking kit. Josh, if you have to design a kit for the Hounds, what does your kit look like? Well, uh, this is the perfect time to do this because of the 20th anniversary. I say you do a throwback kit to the very first kit we had, uh, season one with the Hounds. 
It was a white and black kit. It was mostly white. It had stripes across the chest, uh, three black stripes, um, and then it had black down the sides as well. It's kind of a boringer kit because it's old style, you know, old USL or ASL back then. I can't remember what the league was called back then. Um, <laughs> but it also had some red in it because the Hounds logo was originally red. So you could pull that in there somehow. The numbers were on the sides of the shirts, like <laughs> the bottom left-hand front of the shirt. It's kind of a weird look to it. Uh, I don't know. I think it would be charming <laughs> to have that. It also had collar. It had a white collar with black underneath the collar. So that's kind of a cool retro look. Lean into that retro look of it. Um, we haven't had a collar, I don't think, in the modern era of the Hounds. So that would be nice to have. It was Umbro back then. Uh, so it wasn't Nike or Adidas. It was Umbro. And I I feel like that would be kind of a cool look to it because it also had some of the Umbro. If you've ever seen their kits, they usually have like the the triangles with the, the circles inside of them or the mm-hmm. other triangle inside of them. I don't know. It's a weird Umbro thing that they always do. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like that would be cool. It, do a throwback kit. Um, if not that one, something similar, something along those lines, just because this is the time to do that. Make it the third kit if you have to. But you should have something that kind of is retro and throws back to the, the beginning of things. I didn't even think about the whole throwback idea. I really like that. Kev, are you a a collar or no collar kind of pro- kind of person? It's really dependent. I don't know. It it changes from case to case. Sometimes I, I think generally I lean towards no collar, but I've seen a lot of kits with a collar that look really cool. Um, Liverpool did that like like mock collar where it was like one button. There was no like actual collar. It was like yeah, it sort of like came that. up the neck, and there's one. But you yeah. don't like that? Okay. All right. I'm not about that life. Okay, Kev, if you had to come up with a uh, kit, what are you? Which one are you grabbing, and what are you doing? So, I thought about this, and I think the real question we got to start with is we have to look at the number of colors we have to play with. So, I would say generally we're what we're black, white, and gold, mm-hmm. and so a lot of kits will maybe use white as a base, and then display their colors, which would leave us with black and gold. Um, a lot of other really cool jerseys, if you look at in the history, you know, they'll use white as a base and they still have three other colors to play with and they can do some really cool stuff. That just wouldn't work for us because we can't pull it off. We don't have, we don't. So you kind of have to minimize, all right, what, you know, what other teams, what other nations in the history of jerseys can play with that? And I have some hope. If you're sitting by a computer, then this is wonderful. If you're driving your car, Sorry. Um, <laughs> Pull <but> over and <laughs> get your phone ready so that you can um, search. Of course, Kevin gives his homework. That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a couple. Uh, so starting out simple, because I think I'm, I'm a big fan of minimalistic, simple stuff. Uh, Ajax had a jersey in 1988. Um, they historically have just one big red stripe on a white jersey um, with like kind of like little red sleeve collars around it. Um I think that would be cool. We can have the white with I probably well, we can do the gold or black and then have like gold highlights. I think that'd be sick. Um, Argentina, nineteen seventy eight, very simple. It's kind of like it's reminiscent of a Newcastle jersey now. White base, blue stripes. I think we can do white base, gold stripes, or something like that. Long sleeves would look awesome, and that. Um, but then you also have like the kind of wild card. Like have, you you guys probably remember in recent World Cups like. You know, like Cameroon and, and Senegal, they have like those sweet, like faded, like subliminated, yeah, images. Yeah. And stuff, yeah. Oh my gosh! Like we could do some stuff with, like you know, like a hound face, just kind of 
chilling in the background of the jersey i think that'd be sick although it'd just be really hard to kind of pull off um and there's one more uh there's a a mexican team called pumas and they have this it's similar idea they have this sick uh like it kind of looks almost like i don't want to say robotic but it's like a cross between this like robotic slash ancient like icon of a puma right in the middle of the jersey um minimal colors and all that kind of stuff um yeah i think i'd be sick my last one i'll throw out there as some french jerseys are pretty sweet too leon 2012 um I, by the way i don't have all these in my memory banks i'm looking at a huge friggin' article <laughs> that like lays out the best jerseys of all time um yeah so take one of the best jerseys of all time and rip it off yeah, yeah. why not yeah. i mean that's yeah it's why reinvent the wheel yeah <laughs> I'm typically a fan of cleaner jerseys. Um, I don't like things that are too busy. Like I think if you pick sort of one motif and stick with it and you sort of, I think one of my biggest gripes has been, especially with like the U.S. men's national team, is that there isn't one defining thing that you'll find throughout the history of all of the U.S. men's national team's kits. Or I shouldn't even say U.S. men's. I should just say the U.S. national team kits. Um, whereas you have some other countries like Argentina. They're con- they're always the blue and white stripe. And Brazil is always solid gold. And England is always white. And France is always the solid blue. And it would be great if, if we had sort of this design defining thing. And I thought for the U.S. national teams for a while that they were going to do the sash, like the cross, like shoulder, I think it was right shoulder down to left hip sash, which I didn't love. But I thought, I thought like, if you're going to go with it, go with it and own it. And that'll be our thing. Sort of like LA Galaxy did for a while. Like they just sort of own the sash and you do different variations of that. And I think it'd be great if the hounds could come up with something that they owned. Um, and I, and I don't know what that is. I mean, I think that when we originally started thinking about this, one of the first things that came to mind is I like original look, looking designs as well, but um, Columbus Crew, two or three years ago, put out a kit that had a subliminated checkerboard style on it, like checker style on it. And I thought with the new Hounds logo with the checkers, like if you had a solid gold, I mean, you could literally take those jerseys. The, the solid gold with the checkers or the solid black with the checkers would look amazing and would play in really nicely with the new logo. What is it with the checkers? I don't really get it. Because, I mean, I've seen that in a couple other places too. It's not just Columbus, right? I mean, there's nothing like unique with checkers and soccer, <laughs> i mean right? usually at least with columbus and that kind of stuff they, they associate it with the the supporter section like the mm-hmm. supporters uh the checkered flags you usually see in supporter sections being kind of like that is always a piece of their fandom of their their supporter culture and so they bring that into the design of the crest to uh you know one of those bs uh explain the the um crest type uh post is is always like the checkers represent our supporters so that's what's supposed to be yeah but yeah i don't know like i think i was a big fan of sort of the night kits that were really plain looking like just almost solid kits clean but i know a lot of people don't like that so i don't know i'm i'm sort of torn on this i don't really if i had to sort of approach this from scratch and say you know okay what would we do i guess are there any of our kits that you loved so much last year that you would say don't even try to redesign them, like bring them back again this year? No, I mean I'm 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 not the type of person though to feel like it's holy and you should always stay the same. Like I, I want something evolving, something that kind of keeps up with it. I, I also uh, 
if it's a third kit, you can go outlandish. Like, I know I understand what you're saying, like, the clean look, but, I mean, if you want to do something that's just, like, a one-year thing and just make it out there, like, do the bridge or something like that. Yeah. Like, have, like, the design that they have around the outside of the crest um, for the hounds. Like, do that as, like, a hoop or something like that around the whole chest or, like, the bottom of the, the kit or something like that. That kind of be out there and a little bit busy, but it could be just fun. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of different things. Okay, so I guess... Can we do a Twitter poll? Should we just throw up some like images of jerseys we like and be like, hey, which sure. one? Sorry, I'm creating more work for you. Your, <laughs> That's your face, can we like do a Twitter melted. poll? Like, hey, you... Mike, can you do a Twitter poll? <laughs> That's or cool. we can do, just tweet us your favorite jerseys. How about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if, if... Okay, let's do it this way. If the Hounds weren't doing custom kits... Is there a template or another kit that is out there that you would love to see us somewhat mimic in some way? It doesn't have to match it exactly, but just like if you were saying, hey, I, I would love to have a Hounds kit, and I'd love to look, have it look similar to this thing here. Share that with us. I think that could be a really interesting conversation. Um, obviously, it's not going to impact anything that the Hounds are doing this year because that's already yeah. done. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little late for that. But I think, like, even, like, the Beehive look last year, or not even the Bee, but, like, the Bumblebee look last year, I've never seen that before. Like, we've seen stripes, but never, like, sort of start with a V and then end up flat. It was just completely out there. So I think no matter what we come up with, um, who knows what they're actually going to do. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's something fun to think about since nothing's been announced yet. So let us know what you think. Um, guys, one other thing here, because, um, you know, not a ton to talk about today, but it was circulating around sort of the, the BGN chat that Peter Vermes um, of MLS loosely said in a comment that MLS is going to grow to 40 teams. And, uh, and immediately people started speculating like, Oh, you know, who, who are the other teams are going to be? Cause right now, what, I think they're at 23, 24. I can't remember what the actual number is, but there's like a lot of room. Yes. 24. I can't remember. I yeah. Know. But I mean that, that leaves a lot of additional teams to make its way into MLS. And so people started speculating, okay, well, what cities definitely are going to be part of that top 40. And there were a number of people at BGN who said, oh, you know, Pittsburgh has to be one of those teams. And my immediate reaction was like, well, no, I don't think we have to. Um, and B, I don't know if I want to. And so this started down the whole train of thought of, okay, say that MLS is expanding to 40 teams and say that they come to Pittsburgh and say, hey, would you be interested in joining MLS at this point? You figure five, six years down the road, you know, Josh, you were saying that a lot of this could be fueled by once the World Cup comes to U.S. and Canada and Mexico, um, you know, this could be the push that they're hoping for a lot of attention based, excuse me, based on that. And then maybe they start expanding from there. So say it's six, five, six, seven years down the road, they come to us. We've been in the USL for that long. Looking at how MLS is structured and looking at how USL is structured, would you be more inclined to want to move to MLS and sort of go through the whole sort of thing that like Nashville is going through now where Nashville has a USL team, but say that they said, okay, you know, you get one more year in USL and then next year you're going to have an MLS team and you'll have a USL team. What are your thoughts on that? Would you, would you say like, yeah, I'm all in like gut reaction. I'm going to MLS or would you pause for a minute and think about it? Cause 
I would absolutely pause for a minute and think about it and might not even consider wanting to go to MLS. Kev, where do you stand on all of this? Are you, I mean, sort of considering how things are structured, considering how some of the stuff that we've seen about MLS, where do you stand on all this? I think so much of it relies on also knowing the future of the USL. Um, so if, if the MLS expands to 40 and... I don't know. I mean, just intuitively that that it would be hard to say that the USL doesn't have a kind of reaction to that growth because presumably a lot of the teams might be, you know, not a lot, uh, but but some would be taken from the USL championship and moved up to the MLS. So that could, you know, if, if the health of the USL championship in League One can remain and continue to grow independently of whatever happens in the MLS, then I'd be not more reluctant, but I would care a heck of a lot less because I think, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't necessarily think this is like a, a basement league where there's no entertainment or there's no good soccer being played or anything like that. I, you know, I think the USL championship is legitimate. But if, if the MLS grows and kind of, you know, if, if that tree gets too big and starts blocking out the sun for all the other little trees around it and in the, the USL championship, you know, dies, then yeah, you want to get in there as, as soon as possible. Presumably there's going to be more, more money there. You're going to have more, um, kind of cachet by saying we're an MLS side. You might be able to attract better players just purely by that line alone. Whereas if you say, yeah, we're, you know, we're a championship side, then, you know, some club in Italy would be like, what? Like the US has a second tier or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, there's obviously a lot of benefits from it, but I think if, if you can, if you told me now that the USL was going to continue to grow strong kind of in parallel with the MLS, then yeah, I, I wouldn't have really a strong opinion on it either way. Josh, what's your, you know, Tuffy puts out a poll and says, Hey, you could pick MLS or USL, which, uh, which box are you checking off here and why? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those questions that I feel like I would be kidding myself if I didn't think if if it got announced tomorrow, hey, we're going to MLS, I wouldn't be excited. I would be. I would be ecstatic. I'd be like, heck yeah, playing with the big boys. We're going to be, you know, in there at top flight in U.S. soccer, blah, blah, blah. Um, But, I mean, I'm also not sad that we're not in it right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those weird things where I, all the BS that's going on with MLS, all the, just the, it feels so phony at some time, at times because of the single entity aspect of it. The fact that it can't get past that. Um, it doesn't want to play nice with the other leagues as far as like how it could work or for most relegations, one thing, sure. But even not even considering that, just like, just how it all flows together. It, it makes me happy that we're in usl because it is more exciting and i feel like there's more happening in usl as far as like the growth and and just the level of play but i mean honestly it is one of the situations where it mls is a top flight league in our country so why wouldn't we want to be in it you know what i mean i I think at least for me a a lot of this is kind of predicated on where we are now so mike you said like we snap our fingers and we're in the MLS. Like I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't want that right <laughs> now because it would just be, yeah, it would be. 
I'm assuming all this stuff gets fixed. I'm I'm, I'm assuming yeah. that like we have the support for it. We have the the backing of the the city for it. We have a new stadium that's you know is in a great location and, and that, that's a lot yes. of big things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm assuming all that's kosher. Like all that's great. All that's right. gravy. But it's I'm even with those things in place. Let's say if we were in a position right now to do it. The league as it is right now, MLS as it is right now, I don't know if I really want to be a part of MLS right now. But, like you're saying, though, Kevin, in, you know, 10 years, if MLS is cannibalizing USL by taking up all their good teams and bringing them up to MLS, like, what does that leave USL looking like? And if it's not looking great, I don't want to be in a league that's going to die because we've seen in, uh, in the ASL go under and all these other leagues go under so it's like maybe you gotta rise to the top yeah i mean i think it's 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 tough as well because i think while you kind of see that you know clock on the wall ticking away of like all right like you gotta get into the mls at some point because you know as long as pro rail's not a thing a door's gonna shut eventually and it's not gonna reopen um but like we're seeing cases where MLS tried to close the door in Columbus and open it in Austin, and yeah, like, but even even still, like theoretically, there is some number where it caps out, and yeah, there, there like there's 40. some yeah there there's some number where it's like all right no we're we're done like like even if it's two hundred teams I mean it's gonna you know it's gonna get cap out, um, and so you have that kind of pressure, but simultaneously I think you also have let like. You know, do do a little like mental exercise here. If if we just triple the capacity of Highmark, I think games get a lot more depressing. Just because you're 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 all of a sudden like a two team in the USL playing in an empty cavity of a stadium, and that's just kind of so. So I, I feel like the club needs to grow with the team, the fan base, the city. It, we can't just say, you know, if if you know. <laughs> If Saudi oil came in and bought the team and just built us this huge stadium, it would, it still wouldn't work because it, you know, the, the club kind of needs to grow and we need to kind of yeah. go on that journey with the club. So I think that's, you kind of have to balance that timing out as well. We need to kind of keep slowly growing in the correct ways um, while still keeping an eye on, you know, the MLS clock. But I think in this mental exercise, we're, we're, we're not saying that, you know, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I feel like this is more about business-wise, do you feel like MLS is a better league to be in or USL sure. is a better league to be on? And that's that's a different question because, it, yeah. yeah, you're completely right. We don't have the support right now from the city or from the fans or anyone. Like, we don't have that support that at the level of MLS. But you, you can't look over at, like, Atlanta and be like – Bet you they're yeah. really pissed off. They're in MLS. They wish they were down here with us. Like no, like <laughs> the, the, just because the league isn't the best league in the world or it does it has its issues doesn't mean it's not a fun league to be in if you have the support of the city with you. In in that context, would you say then the argument kind of boils down to <laughs> would you prefer to be like to have a clearly defined owner of the team or have the MLS own you because that's kind of what we're coming to right I mean we're saying like all right let's assume everything else washes out 
And the fundamental differences here between the MLS and the USL is the kind of ownership structure that's in place. Well, I think it's I think it's two things. I think it's not just sort of the ownership of the team, but I think it's also that the single entity versus non-single entity. Because MLS, you get into the whole funny money gam tam. You get into the if you want to sign some big name player, then you have to be you know have to figure out where you are in a ranking on a list where you could see, you know, maybe some other team has rights to them before you do. I, um, I guess what, that can still exist even when teams are fully owned by one person or company, right? No, it, it does right now. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. That's MLS what it is, is right now. Yeah. All that stuff is happening in MLS right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but even, like, ownership in the MLS is very different than ownership in the USL, right? Yes. So ownership in the USL is essentially you rent a team from the MLS. The MLS owns the club and right. you sort of rent the rights to the name and the logo and the location from right. the MLS. Yeah. But that could still exist independently from any kind of signing structure that the league puts in place. You know what I mean? Like I think you could, like in theory, let's just say let's snap our fingers and MLS all of a sudden if you were a billionaire, you can own an MLS club outright. They could still have the kind of policy structure in place where it's like that's great you and the club but we still have this structure of oh you want to sign this player get on the list or whatever yeah um which like is it, what it is right now yeah right yeah 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 so yeah so so i guess yeah i guess my you 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 brought up a good point that i just completely overlooked i think i was boiling it down to would you rather be owned by a league or a or an individual or a company and um but you're saying no there's there's more things to it and i yeah i agree I, mean, I agree with facts. I don't know what I'm saying. There. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, it's almost. I, I, you don't want to turn it into sort of like an economics thing, but it's almost like you know a free, open enterprise versus sort of a closed system sort of thing. Um, I, to me, I don't know. I just again, I think everything you guys have said is is completely valid. I think if MLS gets to 40, what does that mean about the overall talent that's everywhere else that isn't part of that 40? What does that mean? I mean. Then you might start getting into a situation. Well, you got forty teams in MLS, so then does the USL Championship essentially just become MLS two teams because everyone's going to have have a two team and everyone's going to want to have the best talent in their two team? And so, you know, do you want to be in a league with nothing but two teams? And I, that's probably not somewhere that I want to be. It's just I think the direction that the USL seems to be headed in terms of filling the gap in the markets for people that want or need teams and keeping it open so you can sort of sign anybody that you want um, and potentially introducing something like ProRail, which ProRail isn't enough to sort of keep me um, interested in a league, but I think that it's more indicative of that sort of open and free marketplace where teams can move up and down and whatever. It's not, we don't care how how much this team is struggling. They're part of this single entity, so we got to hold on to them and make it work. So yeah, Kev, what was your, uh, your point here? Um, I, I was going to ask you guys, can you think of any sp- sport or country in the world where that sport in that country has two leagues independent of each other and are both like top division healthy and healthy and thriving and good quality play the only thing i can think of i don't know a lot of sport like i'm pretty sure i don't i'm not a rugby fan if any listeners are um please let me know about this but i'm pretty sure there's two 
separate rugby leagues in England. I think it's like rugby union and rugby something. And I think they're on similar levels. So like that's an example where it's a sport in a country where you have two different leagues and it works. But past that, I mean, I can't think of anything else. I mean, like obviously in America, it's it's one league, you know, hockey, basketball, football, whatever, baseball. Um, and in soccer and all around the world, no, there's not like a, there's not like a premier league and a, and a something super league or something, you know, it's, although I guess you can start making the argument, maybe the champions league is becoming its own league and everything else is kind of squashing it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. So I guess putting that in the context of MLS and USL is, is one league going to have to eat the other eventually, or, or can they exist, you know, in a comfortable, nice, (laughs) strong way like in the next 100 years something's going to give probably that's what that's what like numbers and history tells us but not necessarily because like we have the championship league and the premier league and league one and league two in England. yeah but they're all kind of connected and it's the same system you know so they're not but yeah like the, the only difference though is the, the flow between them isn't there but i would argue that for 90 percent of the teams in all those leagues there is no flow like you know there's not teams that are constantly going up and constantly going down it's for some of those teams they're middle of the, the middle of the road teams throughout their whole you know shelf life at least for most of it like you know for 50 years 60 years like no we've been in the championships league this whole time we've never gone up we've never gone down we're just kind of always there so how's that any different to them than it is for us right now in USL Championship. I mean, I don't point, yeah. see the difference there. It doesn't, just because there's no pro rel doesn't really make it that big of a difference. So if you're saying, like, if USL is trying to have aspirations to topple MLS, like, that, that's when you're going to see the war and the eventual, you know, winner of that war. But if USL is fine with being second division and third division and fourth division at some point, like actual fourth division, then there doesn't necessarily have to be a winner or loser. I think the the part of me is sort of Alexi Lawless is sort of famous for he's not I mean he's famous for a lot of things, but um, he's he made the comment of like if you don't like MLS, build a better mousetrap, and and it feels like in a lot of ways USL is trying to build a better mousetrap. Mouse trap. It, it's just an old saying where it's like if you don't like the mousetrap you got then build a better mousetrap but like you can't sit and complain about the mousetrap that you got until you go off and you actually build one so if you don't like it build something that's better that people like better and that'll compete with it and that's sort I of instantly the, just want to modernize that saying for the rest of the show yeah so um <laughs> it's old uh so my thought was like you know it feels like usl is trying to build a better mousetrap so people want pro rel well okay let's let's give them pro rel you want sort of higher quality teams with higher standards that are owned by individuals okay let's give them that my fear is that you know talk about sort of this war i would love to see usl sort of compete at a at a division one um level but it's just mls just has too much money behind it right now that i feel like that's just not something that even with you know if if usl has 120 teams across all of their leagues you probably still wouldn't have the money that's behind mls with the tv deals and some of the owners that that own some of these teams and so it's just it's tough so it's i think that's history yeah yeah and and so i i don't know i we started down one direction with this where I was like, I, I wouldn't want to join MLS. And now I'm kind of like, <laughs> is it 
is it inevitable that I mean like, here's the thing though I mean like happen what, what I mean you, you make the argument of money and MLS is more money and blah 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 and that's kind of keeps them kind of where they are but you can also make an argument saying you know fundamental flaws in how a league is run you know no amount of money will save that like if if single entity is just a bad idea then it's just a bad idea and something that's going to be found out eventually you would think or they have to or or it's i don't know or it's not i don't know know (laughs) well i mean they could also just evolve i mean mls could come to a conclusion that we're past the single entity stage of our life we now need to evolve to the next stage we, we had single entity because that's the only way we could keep a soccer league going in America for a while. Like, there was just no other possible way to keep a whole league alive when some of the markets were not as strong as other markets. So you kind of had to, like, balance the, you know, the ship that way. Now that it's past that point and the leagues are, the teams are being balanced and financially viable and they don't have to be supported by other teams and other uh you know areas, maybe now they evolve past that. Now, the only problem is if you invest you know, $100 million to buy a franchise, right, to own, uh, a, you know, a tenth of MLS, you're not going to easily give that up. And I feel like where we're at now is MLS has to keep on adding teams because it's kind of like a pyramid scheme. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels like it's to the point now where it's like we need those franchise fees to come in to support buying these big players and to, you know, pay these salaries and, and do what we're doing. And if we stop adding teams the bottom's going to fall out and that's the worry. And the fact that MLS keeps on saying like, we're adding more teams, we're adding more teams. It's like, is it because you're, you're doing good or is it because you can't not add more teams? Cause you still need that franchise money. I genuinely think that's the biggest sticking point for me. I think if, if the MLS all of a sudden adapts similar policies that the USL has, as far as ownership roles and everything, I think I'd be much more interested in the prospect of the MLS. But or at least had a plan where it's like, you know, in 10 years, right. like we're weaning ourselves off of the single entity thing. Like we're going to pay shareholders, blah, 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 out this much money and like slowly but surely go back to the, you know. Because let me ask you guys this. I mean, if, if the USL abided by the MLS model, would that change like how you see yourself as a fan at all? Like so, for example, I would feel kind of icky that like eh, I don't, I don't really support the Riverhounds. I support a tenth of the MLS. Like that's dumb. Like I, and it's just it, it just there's something about it that feels different to me, and it feels weird and feels off. Whereas there's something you know I don't know. There's something about looking up, you know, in Highmark and behind a glass window and seeing Tuffy just standing there with his you know arms <laughs> folded and be like, yep, yeah, that's the that's the person we can talk to him. <laughs> like, we can, I mean, it it doesn't feel that different when you're in it, especially like being a crew supporter before I was a Riverhound supporter and and everything the crew just went through, like the fact that we had a crappy owner with pre-court and like seeing all the crap that he was pulling, like that was the owner and he was the one doing it. I know he decided not to call himself the owner because of the lawsuit. Um, And in reality, it is all single entity, but he made those decisions. He was essentially, he's like the manager of the club. You know what I mean? Like if you want to look at it that way instead, like, that's where it mattered to the fans because he's the one making the decisions and he's the one that has the fate of your club in his hands. So he can decide, Hey, I want to move the club. Um, so granted he needs to get the permission of the league, but that was his initiative. It wasn't like he was told on high to do this and then he did it. So with that in mind, it's like, yes, we are part of a single entity in MLS, but 
it still feels like the owners or the the manager if you want to call them that or like whatever it is uh they're the ones that are making the decisions that affect your club so therefore if, if in the end as a fan it feels the same as having an owner and i and, you know this is pure speculation but i think a lot of a lot of my hesitation comes down to the fact that right now the hounds usl it feels like there is a a direct relationship between the teams and the city on a grassroots personal level. Like I think if, if hounds go to MLS and you start signing MLS players, I don't think MLS players are coaching at the Academy during the week. And I don't think that, you know, the MLS players are necessarily talking to us. The MLS players aren't hanging around on the field after the fact. And they're, letting, they're not letting people on the field after the games to like shake hands and talk to players and coaches and think like, it becomes much more of a business and it becomes much more it, it's i mean it would be like the steelers steelers don't do that penguins don't do yeah. that and it's just like the relationship that we have at sort of a grassroots level is something that i think is really unique that i'd love to see us hold on to and who's to say that you know the usl keeps growing and the hounds expand to a 30,000 you know seat stadium that they're packing every week if they're still doing the same sort of stuff who knows but um, it just feels like, you know, Atlanta. Atlanta's huge, and there's lots of supporters, and, you know, you can really be into it, and you can find your niche and have a blast, and it's just a different kind of thing. It's a different kind of relationship that you ultimately have with your club, and it's the same thing, you know, with what's going on in Europe and things like that, so I don't I don't know. I, I started down, like I said, I started on one way, and you guys have sort of talked me into now my head spinning, and I don't know where I stand on all of this. Like, if you have the checkbox today, I don't I, I don't know which one I'm checking. It's just... I feel like if it, if it comes down to atmosphere and comes down to just, what like, your game day experience, I prefer what we have now. But if it comes down to surviving in the future, if you think of it in that, like, kind of more analytical way, you kind of have to make sure you're, uh, the league you're in is going to stay around. Yeah. And as we've seen with the USL, USL Pro, USL A, USL B, uh, ASL, like uh, the, the league is always changing and it always feels a little bit unstable. So it, it, if you want more stable ground, MLS is maybe the better choice in the, sh- you know, <laughs> the long run. So you're saying, is it better to be happy or is it better to have a club? Is basically yeah, what yeah, it comes down exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a different type of happy. A a happy with different things. Exactly. The other thing is, I'm like, I mean, I know UXL Championship is getting huge, but I'm like, how is MLS going to have 40 teams? Like, you almost have to have two leagues at that point, where you have 20 and 20, and you split it up, east and west, or, you know, you go into four conferences or something like I don't know. It's just, yeah. Kev, you look like you're primed to say something very deep and uh, well thought out, and now it looks like you don't have that. So I'm just going to sort of... Well, no, I was, I was going to say... I know. Oh man, I would have to do the the math. No, I don't. Well, okay, maybe not. I was gonna say I, I thought like the second tiered league in England, the Championship, had more teams. They have twenty four teams. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's not. It's nowhere near forty. Yeah. What if what if MLS ends up doing what USL did? What if MLS is like, hey, we now have a Division One MLS and a Division Two MLS. Pro and like between the two team or leagues in <laughs> they make their own little fake pro rel thing between the two teams or two leagues i mean i feel like so there was talk of mls we're like going way down the rabbit hole now but there was talk of mls trying to combine with the mexican league 
and there yeah. was some talk of that where it's like you almost have like a a top tier and then you have a second tier and that's how you sort of fill it out is you just have twice as many teams and you do it i honestly i think that this might ultimately come down to which league decides to assert themselves first i think it's either going to be usl saying hey you know they're going to start inflicting more rules and restrictions on the two teams and say like you can only play in league two you can't play in league one you can't play in the championship um or mls is going to say we're making our own minor league team or minor league for all of the two teams and now you're going to have this definitive split where it's like okay now it's all out war and it may be something that ultimately just comes down to finances where like you said josh mls just has to keep adding teams so they're going to get to it so then it becomes a race to like who gets to it first and yeah. it's just yeah Maybe MLS All American soccer. I was gonna say maybe MLS, maybe USL should just do it now while MLS can't afford to have like multi tier and just like. But we've already seen USL get slapped around by MLS for a couple different rules recently, so yeah, that's not gonna happen. Oh, I feel like this has gone really negative, guys. Quick, we need something positive to talk about here before we sign off. Um, something. I, um. <laughs> Oh man! Do the you know is about ready to start? Season's about ready to start. <laughs> There's gonna be a kit reveal. That was really sad. <laughs> How about uh, soccer better? Uh, soccer better. Let's talk about soccer better. There we go. So, um, came out on on social media today. This has been in the works for a while, and we've known about it. We've been keeping it under wraps. Liz and Laura Ellen are still part of the Mongols family, but. For a while, they were doing Woe Mongols, and it was kind of like, well, what is Woe Mongols? And they, they did some shows. Um, obviously, Liz has been doing Full 90. Uh, Laura Ellen's been doing a bunch of really great interviews and things like that. But they sort of sat down and thought about, you know, what is it that they actually would like to do? And we realized that their ambitions are much greater than sort of the the brand of mongols itself like we very much think of the mongols brand as being a pittsburgh-based thing we want to talk about pittsburgh soccer we want to talk about you know have people on from pittsburgh things like that and uh and and they very much enjoy getting into sort of the analytical side of soccer and looking at statistics and numbers and and understanding why certain things happen or what's happening elsewhere in the world and so that led them to the creation of what they're calling Soccer Better. So there will be a new show on BGN um, hosted by Liz and Laura Ellen called Soccer Better, where they look into statistics and studies and things like that and really sort of break down soccer at a really sort of analytical level, which is going to be really, really cool. For right now, you can follow them on Twitter at BGN Soccer Better. And there's going to be all sorts of news on there. Um, yeah, really, really excited for both of them. I think this is going to be really really cool and awesome and you haven't heard the last of them on this show as well this is just sort of another outlet for them to do that sort of thing um so really really cool stuff like i said at bgn soccer better on twitter go check that out uh additionally this week we got another show dropping justin caught up with glenn from the uh birmingham backline to learn all about what's going on with birmingham legion so they're another new team that's joining the uh, usl championship this year we're going to be playing them and so to sort of get the uh, the gist on what's going on with the new team, what sort of their aspirations are, what it's like, you know, starting up a new team from scratch in the USL right now, they put together a really great show. We're going to drop that on Wednesday. So keep an ear out for that. Um, really, really great stuff. But guys, otherwise, we only have two more shows of this sort of variety, the Monday night show until the season starts. So next week, 
we hope to have Matt Geica on, um, really sort of get some insight into sort of how he prepares for the season, what his preseason rituals are, how he gets ready to go. And then really we'll have one more show where we'll probably try to get everybody on and do some predictions and just gear up for, for the start of things. So it's almost here guys, I guess anything else to sort of talk about on this one before we head out of here and call it a night. Man, I want the season to start. So <laughs> I'm just ready for it. I mean, I know we still have like two weeks of preseason games going and then bye week and all that stuff, but uh, just I want it now. <laughs> yeah. I'll ask you guys this question on the first day of the season again, but right now, do you think we're a better team right now than we were at the end of last season? Josh? Loaded question <laughs> if I ever heard one. I think we have the components to be a better team than we were last season. I do not think we were there yet because the machine isn't well oiled yet, but the parts we have are better than the parts we had last season. That makes but sense. I agree with that. I like when I, <laughs> what, no, what I like, I'm trying to think of this very analytically. When I think of what we lost and, you know, I think that there were some key pieces that we lost after last season but I sort of weigh that with what has come in. Are we worse off than we are last season? I think the answer is no. And so then it just becomes a question of, okay, the dynamics that the pieces that we lost, did we replace them sufficiently and did we improve upon them sufficiently? And I would tend to think the answer to that is yes, at least from the attacking standpoint, for sure. Um, so I think I think we're in a better position now than we were last year. Is that going to be enough to keep up with the Nashvilles and the Indies and like whoever else? We'll see. But uh, yeah. Let us know what you think. Are the Hounds better off now than, uh, than they were? Kev, where do you stand on this? Yeah, no, I think we are. I think we have... <laughs> Super simple. I, I think I think our starting eleven right now is better than our starting eleven at the end of last season, um, and I think probably our first sub is better than our first sub last season as well. So yeah, that's all we can ask for. All right, well that's it for this one. We talked about a ton of stuff for a lot longer than I thought we would have. So uh, yeah, let us know about jerseys. If there's a jersey that you really like, you think the Hounds should should mimic, let us know about that. Let us know if you think that the Hounds are better right now at this point and they were at the end of last season let us know where you stand on the whole mls usl thing because i think this is something that we may confront here in the next decade um so yeah lots a lot of really cool stuff and obviously go check out soccer better thanks to our sponsor roughneck scarves official scarf supplier to mls usl and us soccer get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com Looking for more great Riverhounds news, head over to bgn.fm. Click on the Hounds logo. Uh, there you'll find stuff we post, stuff that other people at BGN are writing about the Hounds, Eastern Conference, merch, all that sort of stuff. Follow us on Twitter at Mongols. Uh, email us at mongolsbgn.fm. Mongols Pod on Instagram. Head over to iTunes, subscribe to the show. She, she, blah, blah, blah. Head over to iTunes, subscribe to the show, and leave us a review. Otherwise, let us know what you thought about this one. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later.